ready to keep you company wherever you are. Carte Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Week Wrap with the Daily Maverick. The past week has been a roller coaster on the news front, from the much-anticipated budget speech last week to Andre Dereta's sudden but not surprising exit at ESCOM. Oh my gosh, I'm not brave enough <laughs> to take on the job. Uh, you would decline the offer. No, no I thanks. would say no. And did anyone say a four-day work week? There's a lot of ground to cover, so here's a slightly longer episode of your whole week wrap. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Whole Week Wrap with The Daily Maverick. This week is particularly exciting because we're making the circle bigger. We've got more voices joining the podcast crew. I am Sneege Diwe and with me today is Ray Masaka, a journalist at Business Maverick. That's The Daily Maverick's business unit. Ray, how are you and how was your week? I'm good, thanks. Um, to be honest, I'm very exhausted. This week was uh, one of those weeks where the news cycle was uh, wild, busy and uh, it felt like I was on a treadmill and the speed just kept increasing. So first on our agenda is trying to make sense of this year's budget speech delivered by Finance Minister Enoch Godongwana. I must say, unlike in previous years when we used to anticipate the budget speech and that be forecasts and predictions by journalists like yourselves, economists, big CEOs and industry players, I missed that anticipation this year. But be that as it may, it's a very important address by the finance minister. And I think for me, and you'll come in here, the ESCOM debt relief program seemed to be a major takeaway. Yeah. I mean, I share your sentiments. I also found the budget to be a bit boring, but boring does not necessarily mean a bad thing because boring Mm. can mean it's predictable. There's no shocks or surprises included in the budget. ESKIM was one of those all anticipated, you know, line items in the budget because uh, last year in October, there was the medium term budget policy statement. And that budget alone, it was said that there was going to be some relief measure for ESKIM when it comes to his debt and the full details will be included in the budget in February and my goodness those details mm. were included so it has been confirmed that the government will take over a portion of Eskim's debt what this means basically is that it's a bailout let's be mm, honest it is a bailout another bailout of about another bailout of about 254 billion rand so basically over the next three years the government will give ESCOM loans in three tranches. So every year in those three years, uh, ESCOM will receive a bailout from the government and that money will be used exclusively by ESCOM for paying down its debt. So it will put ESCOM in a much better financial position because currently ESCOM's debt is worth about 430 billion. I saw that. I couldn't believe it. That's a lot of money. Forgive me for saying this, but I feel like that figure or that amount could be some countries like GDP. Indeed. I mean, our GDP is about 5 trillion rand. That's how much our economy is worth. But really, 400 odd billion rand, it is a lot of money. And Eskimo is really in a tight spot here because it can't even afford to pay back this debt alone. Because how Eskimo makes money is that it sells electricity and that's how it gets its money. And just Eskimo alone, 
cannot afford to pay back that debt. So it needs the help from the government. And that's what we saw in the budget. So much to be said about that. But moving on to civil servants, we know that they're demanding a 10% wage increase. How deep are government's pockets? Is this something that is viable, that came through in the the finance minister's address? Is it possible? This is not viable at all. I mean, if you look at how much we spend every year just paying public servants, it's a lot of money. This year alone, we'll be spending about 700 billion rand just to pay public servants. And there are about 1.2 million public servants in the country. So if you look at that expense alone, how much we we are paying uh, public servants, that eats up about 40% of government spending generally. So the government... It's unbelievable. So the government plans to spend about 2 trillion rand this year. That's how much it has budgeted for service delivery and basically being able to run the country. Of that 2 trillion rand, we're spending about 700 billion rand just to pay public servants. Now, this is the single largest expense in the budget, paying public servants, that is. But the government is really drawing the line in the sand here, because while public servants are demanding about a a 10 to 12 percent wage increases, the government is saying we can't afford this. We can only afford 4.7 percent. So you are really seeing the government really trying to push back and really trying to fight back against any wild demands for uh, wage increases. But the short story is we cannot afford to pay private servants any more than they do currently. We simply can't afford it. Not at all. We can't. Take a deep breath because we're diving into former ESCOM CEO Andre Dereta's big exit next. And we ask just how feasible a Gauteng Premier Panyazali Sufi's lofty promises. Moving right along to, I think, is an even bigger story this week. Andre Dereta is singing and um, he did an explosive interview highlighting it. Uh, systemic corruption at the power utility that is ESCOM. He's criticized the ANC and senior officials for turning a blind eye to looting. It's an explosive one, eh? It's crazy some of the things he was saying, but I think what's been shocking to me has been some of the reactions. So expectedly, the ANC was angry about this interview, saying that um, Dereta's assertions were baseless and nonsensical. The board also then resorted to cutting his notice short. Um, Andre did resign last year, and we were expecting that his last day at the office would be the end of March. Then this interview airs, and they decide, no, Baba, pack it up, you're out. Indeed. I mean, I watched that interview, by the way, and I think my mouth was dropping with every thing that he said. Right. So Andre Dureta has basically implicated the ANC in corruption. That's the allegation. Um, the jury is still out on whether that allegation sticks or if there's evidence. But uh, the reaction from the ANC has been really worrying. I mean, you have Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon, who, by the way, oversees the governance affairs of ESKIM. So he is responsible for the appointment of the board and also CEO as well. His reaction to the interview was that Dureta should stay out of politics. Politics, yeah. Eskim is political, I would argue, and it's very hard to ignore the politics around Eskim. I feel like um, you can't separate it from the politics. You absolutely cannot. I mean, the fact that the country 
as energy insecure. But Eskimo on its own is political, is highly politicized. Moving from coal to renewable energy sources, that's also political. You know, so so you cannot shy away from the politics of Eskim. And I really don't understand what Kevin Gordon means here. But Andre Dureta is a man who has nothing to lose and he's really going out guns blazing here. I want him to sing louder. I want names. <laughs> I want memorandums of understanding. I want documents. I want invoices. Because, you know, he's had, if anything, a front row seat to the decay of the power utility. It was amazing to me in the interview when he was highlighting and detailing how sabotage would work in the different big power stations. And it's just, if you're a person who's experiencing load shedding, it's infuriating. It's infuriating that the reaction of the ANC, the reaction of Praveen Gordhan, the non-reaction of the president, and then obviously Greta Mantashe, would be not to support this person or to, you know, embolden him, but instead to say, listen, let's cut this short, you're fired. If you, Ray, if you're the incoming CEO and you're seeing all of this play out, what are you thinking? Oh my gosh. Uh, that, first of all, I, I'm not brave enough <laughs> to take on the job. Uh, you would decline you know, the it's, offer. It's, 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 it's no, I would say no. But it does put the incoming CEO of Eskim in a very awkward position because I would assume that uh, you want someone who is bold, who can push back any acts of interference at Eskim, especially political interference. And also, you think that you want an environment that is supportive. You want a board that is supportive. Mm. Uh, but, but in this case, it doesn't seem like the board was supporting under director because yeah. there was high-level meetings at the board after the interview aired on television. And the board decided that Andre director's comments were embarrassing to Eskin. It's quite bizarre why they take umbrage with what Andre Director is saying and not really take it seriously and yeah. perhaps launch an investigation to probe exactly. the allegation further. Kind of like, let's treat the messenger down, basically, and ignore the contents of what the message includes. But you know, Sineketu, I'm at a personal level, and I'm sure you felt like this also. I feel very jaded as a South African citizen. I feel like I am you know, held ransom by party politics and political processes, and I don't have a voice myself. Yeah. It's quite demoralizing, to be honest. And the solutions to fixing Eskim are so easy. They're just there. But you just need people who are passionate to implement them. And unfortunately, we don't have those kind of people. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you, we need a person who's bold. And hopefully the next or the incoming CEO will have those characteristics. Moving on to SOPA, that is the State of the Province Address in Gauteng. Here we saw Premier Banyaza Lusufi give his action plan for the year. And one of his major things was to combat crime. He made such very large promises, promising state-of-the-art drones, security helicopters, high-tech CCTV cameras, 400 new police cars. And one wonders, one how, but also it almost seems like airy-fairy dreams versus tangible stuff that we actually need that can make a proper difference in our lives as people who live in the province, affected by crime, 
etc. First of all, I love how you've described these kind of proposals. Airy fairy, you just said <laughs> a short while ago, because I agree. Very thin on detail. Didn't even put a value to a budget to make these plans very possible. He's um, just dreaming big. He's dreaming big. You know, the language he used was, we're going to allocate billions of rands. <laughs> um, that's very generic. That doesn't say much, Gosh. you know. And also, if you put panic buttons in people's homes, the private sector security industry does that already. They have the capacity and capability to respond to emergency situations. I would prefer Mr. Banyazulu Sofi to fix the current services that are already there in the system, the police force, for example. When last have you called 10 triple one? Just like that alone. I'm curious to see how they're going to run these new command centers when something like 10 triple one is not efficient. I can say at a personal level, we had an emergency situation in my family recently mm. where we had to call 10 triple one and nobody answered the phone at all. So I would prefer, let's fix what we have, you know, bolster it, empower it before we have crazy ideas. But I'm sounding like a negative journalist. There is one thing that's good yes. that came out of Banyaz's budget. And I really want to be positive here. I don't want to be the typical journalist. Um, <laughs> so he's allocating about six billion rand more to education in the province. I just wanted to go, and you emulate, because <laughs> we have a serious education problem. And yes. if we allocate more money to that initiative, for me, I just jump up and down for joy. And I hope that this increased budget on education will go to the right places. And I guess with his background as MEC of education, he's very familiar with the problems and challenges within education. So I guess saw the need to channel more funds and more money into that sector department. From innovation to inspiration, here are this week's green shoots to bring a smile to your face. Happy news. Um, <laughs> so there's a big study that was done, which is essentially says that a four day work week improves the lives of employees. I could have told you that myself. <laughs> we didn't need to do commission a big study. You could have simply asked me and I could have told you this. That if you have a three-day weekend, you can exercise more hobbies, go see your friends, all of that stuff that contributes to your mental wellness, to you being healthier. And I think some of the things that came out of the study was that employees were less tired. And I think a major thing for me when I was reading the study was that 90% of the employees surveyed in this study preferred the four-day week schedule, which I think makes absolute sense. Yeah. I, I mean, the world of work is changing. I'm a millennial, first of all, and I feel like millennials are really driving changes in the, in the world of work. The COVID pandemic has fundamentally changed how people view their relationship with work and where they work. You can work from home. And I think employers have not evolved that much. Because for me, if someone says I'm more productive working a four-day week and that productivity can be seen and there's evidence of someone really being productive, why not design structures that make it best for them to work in whatever best condition that suits them if it guarantees productivity 
So I love this, by the way, a four day working week. In South Africa, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, look how, how many people were called into the office when vaccines were available and when mm. the, the severity of the COVID pandemic lessened. Iceland, I think, is a leader. Iceland really started in 2015 in piloting a four day working week. And I think it's now a permanent thing that's in place. I don't know, what do you think? Do you like a four day for working week? For me, I think yeah. it would make sense for my life. Uh, yes. I always feel that between Saturday and Sunday, I need an extra day to actually rest because you yeah. end up spending Saturday running errands and blah, blah, blah. And the moment you feel like now I can put my feet up, you yeah. need to get ready for work. Uh, it was curious to me that only 40 percent or so, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. of the employers that were involved in the survey were open to implementing a four day working week, which is quite telling that employers are not forward thinking in that way. And if we yeah. think of the South African context, a lot of companies, a lot of businesses are quite happy to just have bums on seats on and seats, not... Yeah think creatively about the best ways of reimagining. I think that's that's where yeah. the, the trick lies. You need to reimagine how people work. But also, you know, in a way, I kind of sympathize with, uh, you know, employers because, I mean, let's look at South Africa and why a lot of employers are calling uh, their workers back into the office. A lot of companies have signed long leases, by the way. Mm. And uh, office space leases in South Africa are typically designed for five years. So a lot of companies are locked into leases that run for five years. And, you know, what if you are only in year two of your lease? You can't break it. You're going to have to stick it out for you know, the entire five years and you need to use the office space and, you know, maximize uh, the use of the office space. And I think you've brought us back to reality. Everything has financial implications. If it doesn't make sense money-wise, then we're clocking in Monday to Friday. My goodness, I don't know about you, but <laughs> the weekend flies so fast and I want to yes. hear that car blanche theme music on Sunday. Dun, dun, don't dun. say it. <laughs> I know that, you know, a new week beckons, hey? <laughs> With that said, Ray, thank you so much for enlightening us, for reflecting and just for your insights as well. What are you working on? What, what can we keep our eyes peeled on uh, in terms of the stories that you're doing? I think the Eskim story is one to watch. Um, saga continues. The saga continues. Uh, we need to know who is going to be appointed as the permanent Eskim CEO to replace Andre Dereta. We really need to watch out that the board doesn't really cut corners and uh, mm. whoever who is appointed should be someone who's credible and has uh, a really good track record. But that's what I'm watching out for and the story is going to play out over the next few weeks and months as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Catch us again next week for another whole week wrap. Until then, why not join the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and everywhere else? We always love hearing from you.